reading Proverbs chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 7. So hear now God's word for God does indeed speak to us through it. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray together. Father, as we embark upon this study in the book of Proverbs, we do pray that you would grant us your wisdom. We do pray that you would bless this study uh, throughout this summer, but even this morning, Father, would the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight? Would you give me clarity and boldness as I proclaim your word? And may we see Christ even in this, the pages of this Old Testament book. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we've reached this period in our calendar year, which is um, a time where our kids are uh, largely done with the school year, and we, uh, many of us are breathing this sigh of relief as the end of year festivities and hectic nature kind of give way to the, the summer months. Um, and uh, at the same time, while it, we, we get into the summer, the summer is often a time of transition for many of us, uh, particularly our kids. We see uh, older elementary kids get ready for middle school, that terrifying time. We see younger kids who have never been in school get into school for the first time. Um, we see middle schoolers going into high school. We see some of our high school grads headed off to college, and some of our college grads begin to embark on their adult life outside of uh, school. And um, this whole concept of we're, we're so um, focused on growth and advancement and um, maturing. And I've heard it said at times that uh, the idea of progress and advancement is a, an American concept, that we're so focused on that. And I actually don't believe that that's the case. I believe that God in his providence and his wisdom has um, wired us for growth uh, just our very composition as people, we are born physically small and we grow physically. We um, look to grow mentally as we try to seek to understand our world. Um, we're always trying to understand new facts, new new bits of data. And spiritually as well, we, we uh, begin as new believers, uh, relatively immature, and yet God calls us to grow in maturity. Um, so I think it's part of our the fabric of our being. But there, of all those aspects of growth, I think there's one uh, type of growth that kind of reigns supreme over all the rest, and that is a growth in wisdom. Uh, somebody can grow, grow physically and live to be 100 years, but if they are not wise, then their lengthy years are largely wasted. You can have all the knowledge of an encyclopedia or Google in, 
in your head, and uh, if you don't have wisdom to apply it and to use it, then it's largely nonsense. And even when it comes to spiritual maturity, I think there's an assumption, almost an, an equation of spiritual maturity with wisdom. And I think wisdom is something that we all yearn for, we all long for, but the question is, well, what is what is real wisdom? What is true wisdom? And more to the point, how do we get it? How do we get it? Well, beloved, I think in this passage that we have from Proverbs chapter 1, I think it seeks to answer that both of those questions. And the reality is, I think the answer to that question are two sides to the same coin. The, the source of wisdom and what wisdom truly is are found in uh, the person of our God, that God is the giver of wisdom. And if we're going to take something away from this passage, it's simply this, like we, we tend to think of wisdom as this abstract concept, something that you know, we, can, we can learn, we can uh, appropriate, and if we, we can just get this, this thing called wisdom, then we will be good, but wisdom isn't an abstract concept. It's a very relational concept. It's something that's found in relationship with the Almighty God. In fact, true wisdom is viewing every aspect of our life through the lens of the fear of the Lord, or put it another way, it is true wisdom is entering into relationship with our God and having him teach us to see his world through his eyes. And then the ability by God's power to walk in that understanding. God is the creator of wisdom and the source of wisdom and our wisdom is found in him. So in this short passage, uh, it's, it's an introduction to this introductory section in the first nine chapters of Proverbs and we'll just break it up into three simple uh, headings. There's the author of Proverbs, there's the purpose of Proverbs, and then this foundational truth or starting point uh, for Proverbs and for an understanding of wisdom. So the, the section starts off, the Proverbs of Solomon, King of David, King of Israel. So it's fitting that a book on wisdom would be uh, ascribed to Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. For we know from reading the pages of the Old Testament that Solomon was um, regarded as the, the wisest man that ever lived. And if you remember the story from 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, Solomon, who was the son of David, um, became came to his father's throne and he felt like he was a young man and he, he lacked the wisdom to lead God's people. And the Lord appeared to him in a dream and the Lord said, ask of me anything that you wish. And Solomon's one request was, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I don't know, I don't feel equipped to lead this people that you have given to me. And the Lord was pleased with that request. He, he lavished on him wisdom beyond measure so that he, uh, later in First Kings, it says that he had this encyclopedic understanding of, of things, of plants, of trees, of birds, of reptiles, of animals. Uh, he had a, a large expanse of knowledge. 
but he also had wise decision-making skills so that he could discern truth from error. And um, even the queen of Sheba came to marvel at his wisdom and his might. And so immediately when we see that this book of wisdom is penned by Solomon, it gives authority to the fact that this is wisdom that was given by God to the wisest of men. And it says it's the Proverbs of Solomon. So let's talk just a, a, a moment about a proverb. Um, a proverb uh, is a, every culture has proverbs. A, a proverb is a short, pithy, dense statement of truth that um, is a wise saying. We have some such as uh, many hands make the work light or um, look before you leap. Those are cultural proverbs that um, we have to, to express some bit of wisdom or truth, uh, but they require a context in order for them to be true. They're not universally true. They require the proper context. They require wisdom to apply these statements of wisdom. And the book of Proverbs, um, specifically chapter 10 and following, is comprised of many very dense statements of these uh, statements of wisdom. And so these are the Proverbs of Solomon, king of Israel. So after we have the author, then Solomon tells us the purpose for why he has given these Proverbs. He says, to know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. These Proverbs are to impart wisdom, to give wisdom, to instruct us, to give us um, understanding of insight. There's, there's uh, godly insight into our world, how we ought to live. He also says it's to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and equity. So these are Proverbs that are immensely practical. They are um, giving instruction for how we live, how we deal in this world, how we do it with godliness, with righteousness and justice and equity. Um, so the, there's those purposes. And then there's also a, a series of audiences that it, this is intended to impart the, these things to. Uh, verse 4 says, to give prudence to the simple. Give prudence to the simple. The simple there could mean um, the immature or the naive, one who uh, lacks the wisdom to properly function in the midst of the world because they are naive to its dealings. And uh, where it says to give prudence, that word for prudence could also mean shrewdness or um, cunning. Um, they haven't been jaded enough or taught the ways of the world to be able to do so to live wisely. And so the purpose of these Proverbs is to give some of that shrewdness. Uh, it's also to give knowledge and discretion to the youth. Um, I think all of us that have kids desire our kids to grow in maturity. And this is talking about um, young people. The, the a purpose is to give them knowledge, to teach them discretion. We, we understand that our kids aren't ready to 
function out in the world on their own because they have not been trained to live wisely. And yet Solomon says, uh, like, a, like a loving father to his son, the purpose I'm giving you these things is to teach that, um, that discernment, that wisdom. But then it's not just those who are uh, needing to have some measure of wisdom in order to function, but also those who have it, there is a blessing to them. He says, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So it it's, uh, should give us a, a pointer to, to recognize that we can never have our fill of God's wisdom, that there's always areas where we need to grow in our wisdom, to grow in our discernment, to be reminded of the things that God has taught us, but also to see them in a fresh new way. The, the, the older that we live, the more that we experience. When we go back to the, some of those same things that God has told us, we see them in a fresh new way. We have a new perspective, and it, is, it continues, continually feeds our wisdom in, in our hearts. And then finally, he says to understand a proverb and a saying in the words of the wise and their riddles. There are things that the wise say that they that only make sense to the wise, and these proverbs uh, are a means of training us to understand these things, to see what those who are wise are actually saying to us. And if we stop for just a second, um, and we think about proverbs as just the the genre of literature, the, the mode that God communicates to us through Proverbs, it's, it's fairly fascinating. It's, it's an interesting way that God has chosen to communicate with his people. Um, and I think it highlights some interesting things. If we think about our lives and just the, the day-to-day dealings of our lives, our lives are incredibly complex. When you think of just your life, and the daily interactions that you will have on any given day, and the thoughts that will go through your mind, the interruptions, the exceptions, the the conversations, um, it's incredibly complex. It's it's not a a simple problem to to solve. And um, if you take you on that one day and you multiply it every day of your life and then you throw in all the other people that have ever lived there is this complexity of seemingly infinite magnitude of all the interactions and personalities and conversations throughout all time and you would and these things are so complex and yet in the mind of God they're incredibly simple he understands every heart inclination before it's even made. He understands what's behind every communication and struggle. And yet, how does the infinite God with the ability to comprehend this complexity communicate to simple-minded individuals like you and me? Like, we would want a simple, do this, and this is what results. Like, follow this playbook. You know, here's the instruction guide. But God doesn't speak to us in that way. He gives us these proverbs. It's like he's trying to condescend to us in a way that uh, he can implant these things, uh, but at the same time put us in the midst of our lives so that 
We have to work out which of these Proverbs fits in the context that we are. What, what is the proper application of wisdom in this moment? It's like, um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a tool guy, but it's like going into a, a big hardware store and um, asking, asking somebody to say, well, you know, I, I need to buy a hammer. And the guy looks at you and says, well, what kind of hammer do you need? You know, like, do you need a, you know, a hammer for doing jewelry? Do you need a sledgehammer? Do you need a ball peen hammer? What, what kind of hammer do you need? And it's understanding the context of where to apply these Proverbs. These Proverbs are like, it's like a, it's a rich storehouse of God's wisdom, but it's not a simple problem to solve. And as God feeds us with these Proverbs and teaches us, of these tools that he's given to us, these tools of wisdom, he's training us to become wise as we practice it. And the purpose is to train us in wisdom, to grow us into his likeness. So we have the author, we have the purpose, but then we get to this foundational statement, which was really the if we we're going to look at the entire book of Proverbs, this is the lens through which we need to see it, is here in verse 7. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. He says, The foundation uh, for wisdom, the underlying starting point, is the fear of the Lord. So what does that fear of the Lord mean? Well, uh, as you might imagine, there's a lot of discussion about what that might mean, especially for us as believers. Uh, the, the term for fear can mean anything from respect to awe to utter terror. Um, and, and I think that the proper understanding for what Solomon might have in mind here is actually a combination of those things, a totality of those things. Um, you might remember from Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah was transported into the throne room of God, his response before the Almighty God was, Woe is me, I am ruined, for I have seen the Lord. There is, our God is holy and majestic and mighty, and if we have any concept of that, there is an element of utter terror. Uh, the prophet Isaiah recognized that he was a man of unclean lips, that he was ruined as a result. And yet God was gracious to him, and he wasn't ruined. And for us in Christ Jesus, yes, the Lord Jesus came to drive out that terror fear. So because there is no fear in judgment, the Lord Jesus took that judgment that Isaiah recognized that he needed, that we ought to recognize that we need. The Lord Jesus took that away, and yet, at the same time, the Lord Jesus, we're not, we're not equals with our God. We're not equals. Our God is still holy and majestic and mighty. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, we are not his equal. He came to be made like us, and he was made like us in every respect, and he's not ashamed to call us brothers 
And yet, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one to whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so there, ought to, there must be a sense of awe and reverence even before our Savior, Jesus Christ. And even Jesus Christ, we just read this from Isaiah chapter 11. When he came, he was clothed with a spirit of wisdom, but then it said a spirit of the fear of the Lord. And it said that his delight was in the fear of the Lord. So even though he was the very Son of God, co-eternal with the Father, very God of very God, his delight was in the fear of the Lord. Certainly that wasn't an afraid fear, but it was a holy reverence that he would um, submit himself to the God who is. So whatever the fear of the Lord in its entirety, must mean, there's one thing that we can say that it, it will mean, and it is a recognition that we are under his authority, that we submit ourselves to the Lord and acknowledge our dependence, our utter dependence upon him. Our great God is the only truly independent being, and we are fully dependent upon him. We are dependent upon him to live and move and have our being, to, for our hearts to beat, for us to have breath in our lungs, for us to have any thought. We are dependent upon him and his creation, and only he can do whatever he wishes. We can make our plans, and we can choose to walk in our ways, but the Lord is the one who determines the steps. We are dependent upon his working out of his holy providence, and we are as we participate in his holy will. And so this tells us that the, the true wisdom, true wisdom is not this abstract concept. It's if this is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, is the fear of the Lord, then wisdom is truly relational. It is us in relationship to the Almighty God. We are taught to function in God's world, seeing God's world through his eyes and walking in his ways. It's not, um, we, we recognize that the, the world doesn't operate in this automatic or arbitrary way, but it's ruled and governed by him. And um, we can be thankful because God teaches us that wisdom so that he doesn't leave us in the dark, but he teaches us so that we can walk in his ways. Now you might notice that there's this contrast between it, the, those who fear the Lord and fools. Fools. There's the fear of the Lord, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it may seem harsh to say that the one who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is a fool. And I think that's probably because we don't see the connection between true wisdom and a true relationship with our God. We see 
wisdom as this abstract thing that we can obtain. Well, surely an unbeliever can be wise. It doesn't take being a believer in the Lord Jesus to be wise. Um, and we've seen, we've seen three words for a fool in this particular passage. Proverbs talks about lots of different types of fools. We saw the simple, the, the, the innocent, the immature, the naive. Uh, we saw the youth, uh, the, the young person. But here, this type of fool, uh, one commentator says that uh, this fool is fixed in the correctness of their own opinion, but that opinion flies in the face of established moral order as it's revealed in God's word. And as a result, they have a morally deficient character that prompts irrational behavior. So they are, they are convinced that they are right, and their view of the world has nothing to do with God. It is a com- completely atheistic worldview. It is one where there is no God, or they've elevated themselves or lowered God to the point where there is no fear of God before their eyes. They recognize that there's a God, but he's a God just like me, and I am just as wise as he is. And this may seem harsh um, to, to, to characterize those people as fools, but Scripture is very clear that that is the proper, um, that's the proper name. Psalm 14 says, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. There's no fear of God before his eyes. Um, and Romans chapter 1 kind of tells the story of how we got there, that this is a, a universal um, characteristic for all of us apart from Christ Jesus. And Paul writes this in Romans 1 verses 19 to 22. He says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. He's talking about all mankind. He is, he's revealed himself to all mankind. He says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So follow his logic. God has revealed himself in the things that he's made So everyone is without excuse. But then he says this, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So follow his logic. God has revealed these things they, everyone knew God from the things that he had made, but they would not honor him as God. And they claimed to be wise, and they became fools, and their minds became foolish and futile. And we know that that happened in the, the event of the fall, the falling in Genesis chapter 3. If you remember, the serpent said to Eve, he said, you'll be like God. Just do what you want to do. There is, there is a, God's holding out on you. you. You will know good and evil like God does. Just 
Just You don't need wisdom in relationship to God. Be your own source of wisdom. And from that moment, we were plunged. We, mankind, was plunged into this state of futility, this, this separate... This, this, this foolishness that characterizes all of our existence. And uh, Scripture says over and over again that the natural man doesn't understand the things of God. Uh, Psalm 2 says that um, the, the kings of the world, the, the, the people of the world, they, they set themselves against the, the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords forever. Our natural mind is to be separate, to have a source of wisdom that is apart from ourselves. So see, it's, it's, it's a relational thing. This foolishness is driven by an abandonment of our relationship with the Almighty God. And beloved, you and I still struggle with this. Even though we are, for us who have put our faith in Christ Jesus, and are seeking to grow in that wisdom, that the vestiges of that folly is still within us. We, we look for wisdom from any source that we can, rather than wholeheartedly submitting ourselves to our God, what he says, his view on reality, remembering that he is Lord over whatever aspect of our life we might be talking about, whether it's our home life or our work life or our leisure life or our thought life, wisdom can't be, true wisdom can't be separated from who God is. And that's not to say that somebody who's not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has no wisdom. There, we all know unbelievers who have a set of worldly wisdom and yet, apart from a fear of the Lord, it's not a complete picture. They're not seeing things holistically. And if they're not seeing things under the light of our position as creatures under the Creator, then it's not, if it's not fully true, then it's not true at all. And if it's not true, then it's not truly wise. And so it's not true wisdom. And so we must submit ourselves to him. So, uh, beloved, and I think part of the reason why we yearn for wisdom, we, learn, we yearn to grow in our wisdom, is because we were made for that wisdom, and it's essential to our salvation. Our foolishness separates us from our God, but Christ Jesus came to, gave, to give us true wisdom. When the Lord Jesus came, he said, Solomon was greater than all, and yet one that is greater than Solomon is here even now. That passage that we read from 1 Corinthians says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God, which appears foolishness to the natural man, and yet God has revealed his wisdom. It says Jesus Christ has become our wisdom and our power and our salvation. And it's in Jesus Christ... It's the, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because the fear of the Lord drives us to the Lord Jesus Christ. A, a recognition of who we are in light of who God is reminds us that we are sinners in need of salvation. We are driven to Christ so that we might see that he bore the judgment that we deserve. 
And in light of that, we have an awe of the fact that the Almighty God gave his one and only Son for fools to rescue them. And we bow in holy reverence to the King of Kings, to our, the champion of our faith. And then Christ's Spirit dwells within us to give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge in him that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we would be wise, we must grow in our relationship with our God. We must grow in the fear of our, the Lord. We must subdue every thought in our mind to be conformed to his thinking. We all desire our kids, for those of us who have been parents, we, we recognize that we want our kids to be wise before they go off into the world. And I remember when I was, um, when I was a teenager or you know, young college person, I had this idea that, well, when you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but you know, I was convinced that it was uh, one source of wisdom, uh, but maybe I wasn't fully sold on the, the truthfulness of it. Um, and I thought, well, you know, this is what I will do when I have kids. I will, I will not ram this gospel down their throats. I will present it as one valid viewpoint and allow them to experience the other delicacies of this world, the other wisdom of this world, and let them choose. And it was kind of like, well, if they choose the Lord Jesus, then you know, more power to them than that they have uh, received that, and it's, and it's true for them. And maybe you know, for my other kids, like I wouldn't have pushed them down a road where they would be spurned to, uh, to hate, hate God and the Lord would bring them at the proper time. But that was, that was pure foolishness, friends, in my mind. It was, a, it was a failure to recognize that true wisdom only comes from God, and that we, as apart from God, need to be taught. We need to be taught, and God teaches us of his wisdom through his word, through the church. It's a, it's a wisdom that needs to be given to us, and God has given us his Son, and we need to, it's, it's something that we need to grow into, and as we grow, we understand that it is true uh, more and more every day, and God's Spirit allows us to do it. Either God's Word is true, or it is not, and if it's not, we're wasting our time, but if it's true, God's Word says it's the fear of the Lord that is the, the beginning of wisdom. That is where the true wisdom, it is practical, it draws us into him, it teaches us how to live. And Psalm 2 uh, says this, it, it ends with this, it says, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling, kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are all who take refuge in him. Beloved, let us do just that. Let us take refuge in our God. Let us drink deep from his well of wisdom. For in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you bless us with your word. Thank you that you teach us and you instruct us and you even rebuke us at times. Would you help us to do, would you do these things so that we would be wise? Thank you that you are our Father, and we are your children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.